so good. Whoa. Thank you, Andrew. All right. Well, I am privileged. Could, I, could we turn this down a little bit? Uh, I'm just uh, privileged to be able to be here this morning to share with the church. It's always an honor for me when Cameron asks me to uh, come and share on Sunday morning. So when I was praying and then I was kind of seeking God, like, what is it that you want me to share? You know, I, my heart was that I don't want to just kind of come up here and kind of go through the motions and say some words and then we'll move on to Sunday lunch. But I really wanted to bring something that would add value to our lives as a church, something that would help us as Christians really kind of walk this thing out. And as I was praying, I just uh, wanted to... Um, kind of talk to the church about the importance of keeping Jesus at the center of our life. And it's just, it's so important. And as we're going to look at a little bit later, is that it's really easy to kind of allow Jesus to kind of move off from the center of our life. It's kind of easy, just, you know, we, when we get saved, we put him up at the center, and then kind of the busyness of life kind of shifts him over a little bit. And I'm not saying that any of us uh, as Christians have walked away from the faith or kind of turned our backs on Jesus, but sometimes we can take Jesus from the center as the focus of our life, and we can put him in a spiritual box. We can kind of put him off to the side, and we take him out on Sunday mornings, or we take him out at special occasions. But really, what I've found and I've seen in my life and people that I respect is that when we live out of Jesus as the center, Jesus as the fountain of our lives, that it's in that place that we find abundance. It's in that place that we find fullness of life. It's in that place where things uh, work out for us like God uh, anticipated or God wants it to work out. And so as I was preparing this message, I was kind of um, trying to think, you know, God, what is this like? What is, you know, how can I illustrate this? And there's just so many distractions in our life. There's so many things in our life that can uh, kind of push Jesus or nudge him off the center of our lives. And suddenly, without even realizing it, we've put something else in the center of our life. We're living out of some other fountain outside of Jesus. And I was doing a, a little bit of research, and I came across this really interesting story by uh, a guy named Clyde Beatty. And this guy was a lion tamer in the 1930s, and, and, which is fascinating, which is very interesting. And he would go into these cages, sometimes with up to 40 hungry, ferocious lions and tigers and other wild beasts, and he'd have a pistol, and you'd have a whip, and you'd have... A chair. You guys have seen kind of the chair, right? The chair. And somebody asked him, they said, well, we kind of understand the whip and we kind of understand what the, the pistol was before, but it seems like a chair isn't going to be very beneficial for you if these lions decide to attack. And Clyde responded was like that the chair is actually the most beneficial tool that I have. You see, lions are single-minded creatures. And their focus is on ripping my face off. But if I push this chair, their minds get distracted by the four points of the chair. And they get distracted long enough that they don't rip my face off. And so in this illustration, we are the lions. 
Okay? We're not Clyde. We are the lions. And the world, the culture, you know, the enemy would come at us with this chair and we're distracted by these various things, you know, whether it's busyness or whether it's sin or whether it is, you know, just some of these other things that the world would sell to us that would kind of creep up and be the center of our lives. And so what I want to talk about this morning is the importance of pushing distractions to the side and replacing Jesus as the center. And in Colossians chapter 1, 21 to 23, Paul says this. This is from the message translation. He says that you yourselves are a case study of what he, what Jesus does. At one time, you had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely to the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in the bond of trust, constantly tuned in to the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. And he's telling the Colossians, don't be distracted. Don't be diverted from the core of the gospel. Don't get your eyes off what Epaphras taught you when he first came to Colossae and he first revealed the gospel to you. Epaphras, as we read through Colossians, was apparently this guy who was who knew the gospel, who learned it from Paul, who came to the city of Colossae, preached the gospel, and a bunch of people got saved. The church was started, and things were going really well. But suddenly, it seems, as we read through the book, there were some false teachers started rising up. Some, some other sects kind of rose up and were kind of distracting and diverting the church. So Epaphras goes to Paul, who was most likely in his first imprisonment in Rome and he's like man everything's going really well the church loves God they are full of grace they're full of love they're full of the spirit I just have this one kind of issue is that there's these false teachers kind of rising up and they're distracting and diverting the church from the truth of the gospel that was presented to them at first and so the letter of Colossians is Paul's response back to this church in Colossae um, and trying to kind of right the ship and kind of trying to uh, tell them and uh, encourage them that it's all about Jesus. You know, just like, you know, Graham also shared from Colossians this morning that Jesus is supreme. He is the creator. He is the one who, who made you. He is the one who holds everything together. And so he is the one who deserves to be number one in our lives. Don't be distracted. Don't be diverted. And in our culture, similar to the culture of the first century church in Colossae, is that there's false teachers, there's stuff in our culture, there's stuff in our world that is trying to to divert us from the gospel. There's things going on, there's messages that are being spoken to us that are starting or trying to distract us from the core of the gospel. And it's really easy to, for that to, to, for Jesus to get moved off first place. And in my life, you know, I've been walking um, the last year and a half, almost two years, I've been, went back to school, and I've been working here part-time at the church, and I've got a full-time job, and I've got my family. Um, I've got, you know, I've got a busy life. I've got a lot of stuff going on. And what I found was that my consistent 
time with, with God every morning, keeping Jesus as the center, was starting to get kind of pushed off to the side a little bit. You know, because of school and because of work and stuff, you know, I was staying up later. I had to get some stuff accomplished. I had to actually do some things so I'd stay up later, and then I couldn't get up when I normally would want to, and so I'd get up and rush off to work, and the days would kind of, kind of blur together as I was working and I was busy and there was stuff going on. And I realized that, man, my center has been compromised. I realized that, man, all this stuff that I'm doing, all this, you know, this ministry and family and work, I'm, all, I'm doing it all out of my own strength. And it was starting to get stressful and it was starting to get difficult. And I was like, what is going on? Why is this so hard? Why is life like this? And I realized that, man... I'm doing this stuff. I'm going to school because I love Jesus. And I want to, you know what? I mean, I want to be in full-time ministry. That is my goal. You know, and so I was, so I'm working at the church and I'm doing this stuff. And I realized that, man, all this stuff that I'm doing because I love Jesus is pushing Jesus off to the side. And I'm like, oh, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, I realized that my center had been compromised, that my momentum had shifted from relying on Jesus as my well, as my source, as where I got all of my strength from, it had moved and shifted to myself being my own strength and trying to draw water from my own cistern and trying to get strength from what I could do and what I could pull together. And so I had just been distracted. And so this morning, what I hope to do is that we're just going to take a moment and we're going to step back and we're just going to kind of look at our own lives and go, man, is there something in my life? Is there some way in my life that God has gotten kind of shifted off center and that I've put something else in that place? And maybe for you, maybe you're doing great and that's awesome, but I think it's important that we just take time and kind of reevaluate where we are at. And so in my life, my distractions weren't, there wasn't anything wrong with anything that I was doing. You know, going to school, having a family, working, doing all that stuff is really good. But it had distracted. You know, I had taken what was good and replaced what was best in my life. But sometimes um, distractions are not necessarily good. You know, there are some things in this world, in this culture, that would distract us from Jesus that are just, that are just lies, that are just evil, that are just um, poor decisions that lead to death and lead to destruction and lead to pain. And I was at the mall with my, my daughter Molly. We were looking for a My Little Pony poster which are very difficult to find. And so my mom suggested, like, well, why don't you go to the mall? You know, there's some stores with posters there. I'm like, okay, good. And so we go to the mall, and I, like, walk in there, and there's mall people. No offense to the mall people, but I go into the mall, and it just feels like, ah, it just feels kind of yucky in here. Like, what is going on? Why do I feel uncomfortable in this place, you know? And I realized that, it seems that the mall was selling something that I'm not buying. You know, it's selling this culture and this worldview that I don't accept as the truth. You know, it felt like the mall or our culture, you know, the worldview of the world is selling things like being sexy is the most important thing. And I know I'm sexy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
Um, so, you know, the, the world, the world uh, is, you know, proclaiming that that is important, right? The world is proclaiming that, you know, you're only important, you're only valuable, you know, if you fit this box. You know, you're only important if you look like this or you fit in this mold. The world would tell us that we always have to look out for number one because our needs are the most important, you know, and nobody else is going to take care of you. You need to take care of yourself, the world would tell us that if you aren't having sex right now, you are seriously missing out. Everybody's doing it. It's fine. You should go and have some more sex right now. The world would tell us that if you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, there's probably something wrong with you. The world would kind of have us believe that, hey, you know what? It's okay to look at pornography. It's just how guys are wired, you know? We'll, we, and you can always stop when you get married. Um, the world would tell us that we need more stuff. The world would tell us that we need to be rich and that we need to be famous. But these things are distractions. These things are diversions that kind of sneak up into the focus of our life and push Jesus off to the center. And now, of course, I'm talking to us as Christians here, you know, that as Christians, we're supposed to have Jesus as the center. And these distractions come up and we, without even realizing it, can suddenly buy into these lies as if they are true. We are we buy into them because the world is so good at selling it. You know, as I turn on the TV or if I turn on the radio or go to movies or, you know, anything that the media is kind of putting out there, they are selling this joy. They're selling happiness. They're selling this is the way life is. This is how you find fulfillment. This is where you should be going. And we have pain. We have uh, voids and we have needs in our life and sometimes the world sells things so well that it's just like man maybe if i maybe if i did you know go and and just get a girlfriend maybe that would make me happy or maybe if i did go out and and party with these other guys maybe maybe that would make me happy you know and we are trying to meet a need because somehow we haven't, you know, we're Christians, we, we follow Jesus, but there's still this pain in our hearts. And so we need, I, I need to soothe that. And the world is telling me that this is how you do it. And so it kind of sneaks up there and becomes this idol in our lives. It becomes this thing that we're trying to receive fulfillment and we're trying to receive abundance from. But I believe that when we turn back to that stuff, when we turn back to you know, sexual immorality and we, we turn to, to drunkenness and we turn back to sin that tries to meet these needs, you know, that is just our old sinful nature kind of rearing up, trying to get fed again. But the truth is that we, we sung about it this morning, that we have been set free from all that garbage in our lives. You know, through the cross of Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, we have put that garbage behind us. And in Colossians 3, verse 5, Paul says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He's saying you used to do this stuff, but put that behind you. You have been set free. 
And so whether the distraction in your life is just the busyness of life or it is trying to get a need met through the world and what the world is offering, I just want to encourage you to turn away from that stuff and to put Jesus back in the center where he belongs. Okay, so if all this, this craziness that we've been talking about, if that is the truth, then what is it that we are, or that is the lie, that is the distraction, that's where we're trying to avoid. What is it that we should be living for? What is it that we should be pursuing? And the prophet Jim Carrey said, this is a joke, Jim Carrey, he said, he said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and get everything that they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. That's a good word, Jim Carrey. You know, and Jim, sorry, um, you know, Jim Carrey has probably achieved some stuff that you and I have kind of, maybe we've kind of dreamed about it in a sense, or we've thought like, man, if I had money, you know, I could do this and I would be happy. Or if I, you know, was famous, then people would like me and I would be accepted. You know, and so, but Jim Carrey is saying that, hey, I have achieved it. I've gotten here. And you know what? It's kind of, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. It kind of is leaving me a little wanting. And so if the world ultimately doesn't bring fulfillment, if the things that we pursue in the world just lead to destruction and lead to pain, so what is it that we're supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? And in John 10.10, Jesus says that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus' plan, his purpose, is that we would have fullness of life, that we would have abundant life. You know, the, um, and Paul in, second, or in Colossians 2, 9 through 10 says it like this. He says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. So all the fullness of God lives in Jesus. All the fullness, everything that we know about God is revealed to us through Jesus. And in that fullness, you know, he came to earth and he died. And as we believe in him, as we put our faith and we put our trust in him, the fullness of the deity comes and dwells inside of us. And then Paul goes on to say, your whole self ruled by the flesh, the sinful state, the sinful nature, the desires of the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So when we chose to follow Jesus, when we decided, Jesus, I trust you, I'm going to live for you, we were circumcised, Paul says, meaning we were set apart. We were set apart for Jesus, and all the fullness of God dwells in you. And Jesus came that you would live your fullness out, that it would start right now. It would start in this life. It's not just some kind of far-off idea that when you get to heaven, when you are sitting up on that cloud with Jesus, then life is going to be great. But I believe that Jesus is saying that fullness that abundance of life is going to start right now as you believe in me, as you follow me, as you live for me. And in Galatians, Paul talks about what the fullness, or what the full and the abundant life looks like. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, and self-control. I might have forgotten one there. Faithfulness. And 
Paul is saying that if we follow Jesus, if we actually give our lives to Jesus, as if we put him as the center of our lives, that this good stuff, this stuff is going to flow down and this is going to fill us and we are going to understand what full and abundant life looks like. And I think that we're all looking for what Jesus is offering. We are all looking for this stuff. There's nobody that's going to be like, well, you know what, I'm... I don't really want love. I don't really want kindness. I don't really want joy. You know, nobody is going to say that. Everybody wants the freedom that Jesus is offering. Everybody wants the acceptance and the joy and the peace and the love that Jesus is offering. But I think that some people won't accept the truth or won't accept what Jesus is offering because they don't like the package that it's wrapped in. And the world's package is it's pretty appealing, right? You know, they're saying this is how you find abundance. This is how you have fullness of life. You live for yourself. You look out for number one. You have sex with whoever you want to have sex with. You, there is no right or wrong. You can do what you want to do. And boom, it's going to be great. All the commercials tell us, right, that if you, if you get this thing, you know, then you're going to be happy. But Jesus... When the package that Jesus offered for abundant life is a little bit different. He says, if you want abundant life, you need to die to yourself. He says, if you want abundant, full life, then you need to follow me. And not only do you need to follow me, but you need to pick up your cross and follow me. You need to be humble. You need to serve You need to learn to prefer other people before you. And man, my nature, my sin, my flesh doesn't like that nearly as much as what the world is offering. And so we are distracted because we want to believe that this other stuff is going to lead to abundant life. But we know that it doesn't. We've seen it in our lives. We know it to be true. And so the question then is, Mark, if it's so easy for us to get distracted, if it's so easy for us to shove Jesus off the center of our lives, then what are we supposed to do? Well, the good news is just as easy as it is to push him off the center. It is so easy to put him right back. It's not difficult. It's not a big, challenging thing. And Paul in Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And I believe Paul here is giving us a glimpse, is giving us a clue as to how do we walk out this abundant life? How do we live in the fullness that Jesus promised? And he says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is and not on earthly things. You know, look to Jesus. You know, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, think about those things. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, we'll tie it into Cameron's series here. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. And as Christians, as people who have chosen to put Jesus at the center, each one of us, 
uh, talking to Christians, each one of us as Christians has chosen that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the one who created everything. He is the one who holds everything together. He is the center of the universe. He is the head of the church. He is the head of my life. And so if we have decided that, Jesus then comes in and says, seek first the kingdom. I don't believe that he's just kind of going, hey, here's an idea. Or here, this is one, this is one way you could go. You know, this here, you know, I mean, you might have something that looks a little bit better, but here's an idea. No, I think that the, the verb here, seek first the kingdom, is imperative. It is a command. Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be added to you. This isn't optional for us, guys. This is what we are called to do. And so what does that look like? And as I have possibly mentioned in the past, it means, you know, you know, starting every day with Jesus. All right? I believe that there is a spiritual momentum in our lives that will either push us towards God or towards our flesh or towards our sinful nature. You know, in Galatians 5, Paul talks about, he says, um, so walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, and I think what he's talking about is this spiritual momentum in our lives. You know, that if we walk towards the spirit, if we set our eyes on Christ, on where he's at, if we don't set our eyes, you know, on the world, then our spiritual momentum is going to move towards Jesus. It's going to move towards God. But if we start our day kind of with our eyes on the world or kind of our eyes on, on something else, our eyes on kind of our own thing, then our momentum has a tendency to kind of roll that direction. And you know, I kind of see it similar to if you were trying to eat more healthily, more healthy, more healthy, that if you got up in the morning and you're like, you know, I need to eat better. I need to do something. I got to put good food in me. Okay. But you get up and you rush off to work and you grab a donut on the way to work. You know, it's a lot more difficult when it gets to lunchtime to make a good choice at lunchtime because you're like, well, you know, actually I did just eat that donut and I'm just going to run through McDonald's here. It's a lot easier. I'll just start, you know, tomorrow. I'll just eat better tomorrow. And our spiritual, our momentum, our healthy eating momentum is rolling in the wrong direction because of the way that we started out our morning. But if you get up in the morning and you drink your green smoothie or your bunch of bananas or whatever it is, then you get your healthy momentum rolling in the right direction. All right. And so I think that starting our day every day with Jesus is essential to kind of getting our spiritual momentum rolling the correct direction. And I was a Christian for a long time, 15 years. 18 years, and every time I would hear somebody talk about, you know, spend time with God every day, I'd be like, whoa, that seems a little bit excessive, doesn't it? It's a little, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of time that Jesus is going to get there. But eventually, I, I began doing it. I began walking that out. And man, there is so much fulfillment there. You know, we are, instead, you know, when we aren't doing that, you know, what is it that we're putting as the center of our lives, you know? Maybe it's us or work or our family or whatever it is. There's something else that is the center of our lives and it does not lead to the full and abundant life that God promised us. 
And so I'm talking a little bit about spiritual disciplines here, right? But I'm not saying that we need to pray or we need to read our Bible or fast or do any of these things to earn God's love because we are loved. We are accepted. You know, because of the cross, because of what Jesus did, he loves us and he accepts us and he wants us to be with him. All right? And so the spiritual disciplines just allow us to kind of draw closer to him and to know his love on a more intimate level. And so just to kind of wrap up, I just want to you know, kind of bring this kind of really practical for us. You know, okay, so, all right, Mark, we want to keep Jesus at the center. We've got to get our spiritual momentum rolling the right way. You know what, but Mark, I'm not really a Bible reader. I'm not really a praying guy. That's not really, I don't really know how to do that. But I just want to encourage us that, it's, man, it's super easy, okay? If, you've, if you're not a prayer, you know, and you can just come to Jesus in the morning, you know, before you go on your way, you can just be like, you know what, Jesus, here I am. I'm not really a prayer. I don't really know what to say. But God, I want you to be the center of my life. And I just give this day to you. And there, that's it. You've, you've kind of, you've just taken a moment and said, you know what, Jesus, before I get into the busyness of everything that's going on, I just want to touch base with you and say that it's for you. It's all about you. And that momentum can help us as we walk through the day. And as we do it consistently, it will significantly impact your life. And it gets easier, and it gets fuller, and it gets richer as you do it. And, and if you're not a Bible reader, I just encourage you just to, just to start reading. Even if it's just a chapter a day, just jump in there. And just maybe just start in Matthew. and just I'm just going to read one chapter a day and just make your way through the New Testament. That's a great place to start. And perhaps you're like, Mark, I don't have time to get up in the morning. I don't have time to pray and read my Bible in the morning. I've got to get up at 4 to go to work. Well, then I would just kind of encourage you, you know, what can you do? Where can you, put, where can you fit Jesus in? You know, maybe instead of listening to sports radio on your way into work, you could listen to a sermon. Um, you know, if you've got a smartphone, we've all got access to, an, um, you know, just innumerable you know, sermons and podcasts that are incredibly valuable. They can really get us focused on what is important. Or maybe on the way to work, instead of listening to RKR or 103.3, just put on some worship music. You know, it's as simple as that and just go, you know what, I'm just going to take a moment on my way in. I'm going to put Jesus as the center. And I guarantee you, if you would try this for a couple weeks, if you would just try it for a couple weeks, that you would find that your life would, uh, it would start to change. It would start to become more full and more abundant. And I'm not saying that you're, you know, that you're going to suddenly get engaged or you're suddenly going to get a job or you're, you know, suddenly you're going to get a big check in the mail. I'm not saying that your life is going to get a lot easier if you start praying and reading your Bible. But as we draw close to God, as we spend time with him, as we put him as the center and we live out of what he is pouring into our lives, then we have a knowledge that he is walking right with us side by side in everything that we do, in every situation of life. And it is real abundance and real joy as we come close to Jesus. Amen. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mark. What a great word. What a great reminder to us to keep Jesus at the center. Well, again, welcome.